0: Welcome to the Marketplace Midland Podcast, where we highlight a monthly speaker that shares helpful tools for all of us to integrate timeless biblical principles into our modern businesses. Well, good afternoon. You uh, not only uh, got a used car salesman today, but a used car salesman from Odessa, to say the least. Um Y'all are really having to dig for the bottom of the barrel. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I'm incredibly honored. I have uh, some of my team with me today that I didn't know were going to be here, which means I really can't tell you any lies because they could prove me all wrong uh, if I say something to the contrary. Uh, But I'm really honored to be with you today. I'm going to see if I can do this and make that work a little bit better. Some of you I know very well, some of you I haven't met before, so let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, My family started in the car business in 1911. My great-grandfather had a hardware store in Arlington, Texas. And Henry Ford was trying to uh, figure out how to get the Model Ts distributed across the United States, and they started that with hardware stores. And so Model Ts came in a crate box, they were assembled, and the crate became the floorboard for the Model T. And in 1929, something really tragic happened. Uh, And when the Great Depression hit, my great-grandfather lost everything that he had. And he loaded up with his three sons, his one daughter and his wife, and they headed to Crane, Texas to start all over again. And in 1935, my grandfather and his brother bought our Ford store in Odessa. Uh, They paid $2,400 for the dealership, took possession on a Thursday, sold out of their 21-car inventory that weekend and paid the bank back on Monday. (laughs) And Mr. Bounds, nobody gets those kind of returns anymore. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that I tell you that is that um, for all of my success that I've had the privilege of having in my career, it's because I sit on the shoulders of some pretty remarkable giants that came before me. And it had not been for my great-grandfather deciding that he would start again instead of quitting. And it had not been my grandfather for taking that risk and for my father for taking the risk that he had. I wouldn't be able to stand here today. And I think if all of us think back on our lives, that there's at least one, if not maybe a whole lot more people in your life that gave you that kind of start. The shoulders that you really have had the opportunity to stand on, to see further, and to do more. Uh, A lot of people have asked me, you know, was I just born into this business? Is this what I always thought I was going to do? And and the answer to that is no. I graduated from TCU in 1995. And parents are kind of weird. They want you to get a job when they get out of college. And so I had two job offers. One was in Dallas, and one was with my dad in Odessa. And I didn't take it because I wanted to be in the car business. I took it because he paid $500 more a month than the job I had in Dallas. So for $500 more a month, I headed back to uh, West Texas, the place that I said I would never come back to. And uh, here I am 25 plus years later, um, really glad I made that choice. I tell you the reason that I started for $500 is that every one of us and or the people that you lead, in your companies today, all start because they needed a job. They don't, most people have really grand ambitions. They want to accomplish everything. They, they have big dreams, but they really just need a job because they need to pay the bills. And the things that we tell our team and people that join our company is that a job is a great place to start. It's a terrible place to stay. And our goal in our organization is to try to get people to move from job to career. Because people with jobs have a different mindset, right? Wednesdays hump day, TGIF is Friday, everybody has a hangover on Monday. In other words, it's just a job. I just go through this week trying to work for the weekend. And what I share with our staff is that if you work for the weekend, that means you only have 104 good days a year because there's only 52 Saturdays and 52 Sundays. So in our mindset, for our company, if we can help people to go from a job to a career, it changes why and how they come to work on a regular basis. Now the next step for us is if we can help people to go from a job to a
1: career to a calling, that changes everything. The reason I know
0: that is I went through that exact progress process, started with a job, paid $500 more a month than I had an offer in Dallas. And when I came to work, my goal was to learn how to be a manager of a car dealership. That was my role. I showed up at 25 years of age. I wasn't as smart as I thought I was, but I probably wasn't as dumb as everybody else thought I was either. Um, <laughs> And I spent the first three or four years
1: trying to learn how to manage a car dealership. And I was completely miserable.
0: And in December of 1999, one of our managers gave me a book called Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. And it took me till February of the next year to actually read the book. But when I read it, All of a sudden, I understood the reason I was so miserable is that I had a job. And I hadn't really found out what my career was going to be until I understood that I didn't have to learn how to manage a car dealership.
1: I had to learn how to lead people. And when I learned that I wanted to lead people,
0: that was something that I could get excited about and I could get up early for every single day. See, John Maxwell defines leadership as influence. It's just the ability to get people to go from point A to point B, not because they have to, but because they want to. And and so then I put myself on this huge leadership journey of what could I really do to lead people really well.
1: And then, the most interesting thing happened to me, in April of 2004,
0: I had a life-changing experience. Now I'm going to put a pause there. And I'm going to take you back to uh, just a quick story so that you understand why April of '04 was so important. When I was 16 years old, I had a really bad experience um, with the church, and I had lost my grandfather and some other things that happened in my life, and. And I made this statement to myself. I said, God, if this is what you're like, I don't want anything to do with you. So at 16 years of age, I walked away from the church. So I go through all of high school, all of college. I get married, come back, in the business. Now I'm really motivated to lead people, all because I want to help people and I want to make things happen. But in April of '04, I was hosting a leadership event for our company, and I had roughly 25 people at that event, and there was a young man in that group that I'm teaching leadership to, very much like what we're having a conversation today about. And he and I had become friends, and I knew that he was a Christian guy, and I didn't hold that against him, um, but, but I thought, you know, that's good. And about 2 a.m. in April of 04, that 19 year old
1: man led a 22 year old man to faith. 25 year old man, excuse me. That was me. So at my leadership event that I'm teaching leadership at, I
0: had the greatest teaching moment myself. So in April of that year, I accepted Christ, and obviously, Uh, For all of us, it changes life forever. So what happened next was, I went from being
1: passionate about leadership to being passionate about servant leadership. And I'd love for you to think for just a few minutes about the difference.
0: Because the significant difference between leadership and servant leadership is not necessarily how we lead. It's not necessarily who we lead. But the significant difference between leadership and servant leadership is why we lead. See, many people in business lead because we want to accomplish something we have a profit margin we're trying to obtain we have a product we're trying to sell we have stock values that we're trying to drive up but servant leadership is so much more than that because servant leadership says I don't just want to be successful I don't just want the company to be successful I want each and every one of you to be personally successful and, and, and many of you have probably read this. Uh, in fact, I have, uh, two, I have a company named called M935, which is Mark 935. I'll read you a, a quick piece of that scripture. It says, um, Jesus asked the people, what were you discussing on the road? And when he asked his disciples that question, the silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was greatest. He sat down and summoned his twelve and he said, So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. And all of a sudden, when I was younger and I read that scripture, I had to ask
1: myself, Why do I lead? Really? Why do I really lead? What is it that causes me to motivate
0: Jacob Landrum or Steve James or Lewis Robles or Michael Pyle or Michael Smith? What's my motivation? Is it because I want personal success? Or is it because I want success
1: for them? And the result is success for myself. And so I just really encourage you. You may have settled that thought in
0: your mind. Some of you may have never even thought of it in that way before.
1: But I just want to really challenge each of us today. Why do we lead? Really. Why do we really lead? Is it because we want the best for other people? Or we want the best from people? so that we can win. General McChrystal um, made this quote.
0: He said, people will forgive you for not being the leader you should be, but people will not forgive you for not being the leader you claim to be. I'll say that again. People will forgive you for not being the leader you should be, But people will not forgive you for not being the leader you claim to be. And so for me, I really had to challenge my own motivations of why do I really want to lead people. The other interesting thing I'll tell you, uh, some of you may have met him. Um, The gentleman that led me to Christ in 04, his name's Andrew Peterson. Andrew is one of our top sales professionals at our dealership today. It's really funny, when he came to work, he said he did not want to be a car salesman. And I said, well, I don't blame you. Um, In fact, I don't want you to be a typical car salesman either because if you do, you're really gonna mess this stuff up. Um, The the, the lesson that, that I would share with you about Andrew and why that's so important is that as I get older, if I'm not careful, I'll forget how much I can learn from young people. And just imagine, theres no, I don't believe that I would be here today
1: if I had not listened to a 19-year-old young man in 2004. Because you and I can learn from anyone. And so... When that happened to me, when, when it
0: really hit me that I had this responsibility to lead people and, and the fact that, that I had the chance to influence people's lives, it totally transformed the way that we led our company. I would say that we were always a good place, we were a great company, but we weren't a faith-focused company. In fact, I read online, it, You guys have a mission statement as your organization that says, we believe God is interested in our entire week and not just our time in church on Sunday morning. I think one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities we have as business leaders is that our pastors only get those folks one day a week, maybe twice. And we get to influence people Monday through Saturday. The other thing is you can probably appreciate most pastors never get to see all the people you and I get to see. They don't go to church on Sunday. So for me, once I accepted Christ and once I understood my responsibility as a servant leader, all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, six days a week I get to influence people. I could go on mission trips. I think mission trips are wonderful, but my mission field is at 4,400 Parks Legato Road on Wall Street on 191. My mission field is the 500 plus families that I have responsibility and stewardship over in my company every single day. So I want to encourage you that every day when you and I interact with the people in our company, we are truly the representatives of Christ to those folks. And the way that we live our lives, the way that we treat the people that we work with,
1: reflects
0: on what they think of God. I have found, maybe this is true, most people don't like Jesus because they met a Christian they didn't like. So all of a sudden, I I remember my wife, when we were first married, um, I was a really high-demanding customer at restaurants. And if something wasn't right, I would call it out. And if something wasn't right, I didn't think that, you know, you deserved your full tip. I mean, I was a jerk. And then all of a sudden, I was like, man, what they think of me may be what they think of him. So I better clean up my act. I better act the way I believe there's that old quote that says that your actions are so loud I cannot hear what you say and so for me I understood the responsibility I had and have now as a leader and it is incredibly heavy to carry but I really do believe that our actions speak louder than any of our words. Now, I'll tell you a quick story about that. Um, I have three boys. One is 18, he's a senior this year. One is 16, he's a junior. And one is 14, he's an eighth grader. And oddly enough, 15 years ago, which is hard to believe, I started taking my boys on father-son trips. So when they were old enough, when my oldest was three years old, I would pick a place that we would go and visit. And we'd go to a different state, and we'd do different things. When they were little, obviously, it didn't look like much. As they got older, it was a little more fun. Uh, So we went alligator hunting in Florida last year. Uh, We've been to a classic car auction uh, before, and so we always go on these long weekend trips. And I say it's always time we eat cheeseburgers and french fries, and don't brush your teeth, and don't shower, and I mean, it's just... (laughs) we. I call it the Goods weekend, G-U-D-E-S, which stands for Gentleman Dudes. So we're going to be gentlemen, but we're going to be dudes at the same time, and we're going to go have fun. And so about 10 years ago, we were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I don't know if you've been to Santa Fe or not, uh, but we were downtown on the, on the plaza. And um, as we were getting out of the car, there was a homeless person uh, right outside of the car. And they were asking for money. So I get out of the car, and I get my um, money clip out, and I give the guy some money. So we're walking further down the street. Next thing I meet, another homeless person. So in my mind, I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, I already gave that person money. I'm going to give this person money. So I get my money clip out, and I give him some more. Before we get to the restaurant, third homeless person. So I'm like, okay, well, now I don't have any small bills left, right? So now what do I have to do? I have to give them a big bill. So I give them a bill. We go sit down, and we're having lunch. And I said to my boys um, when we sat down, I said, hey, did you guys notice what happened when we were walking along? My middle son says, yeah, Dad, I saw that you gave the first guy $5. You gave the next guy $10. And you gave the
1: next guy $100. 6 years old. Life lessons are caught, not taught.
0: And in that moment, see, as a dad, and in that moment for you and I as leaders, we get to choose, and I got to choose, do I want to teach my sons to be generous or cynical? See, do I want to teach them, hey, listen, some of these guys are really scam artists and they're not really true, and and
1: do I want to teach them to be cynical? Or do I want to teach them to be generous? Fast forward to yesterday. I'm leaving after lunch, our guys trip. We're walking to lunch. There's a homeless person on the street.
0: I pulled out my money. I gave him some and we kept walking. We have lunch and we're leaving. Same guy standing right there. I keep
1: walking. And if you're a father in the room, you're going to appreciate this. My 18-year-old walked past, and he said, Dad, just a second. And he turned back around,
0: and he took money out of his money clip and gave that homeless man
1: some money. Life lessons are caught. They're not taught. I don't know what else I need to do this year.
0: Because you can appreciate, right, that... As a father, when you see your 18-year-old son who saw that lesson 10-plus years ago, and you saw his dad consistently do it again, that he would replicate that act of generosity. I mean, I
1: kind of said to myself, I said, "Lord, if we're done today, I think we're okay." Now that's a story about a father and a son.
0: But given the fact that so many of your staff,
1: your employees, your team members, probably grew up in a broken home,
0: they need that kind of father-son mentorship just as much, if not more. If you and I take time to really know the people that we work with on a daily basis, you'll find they're incredibly broken and incredibly in need of somebody to shepherd them and mentor them.
1: And that is part of what I see as the role of servant leadership. I have a young man right now who left our company over two years ago. He lives in Hawaii. I don't know why he moved there. It's incredibly
0: expensive. And he messages me yesterday and said, I need $200. I don't have any money to buy new brakes for my car. Is there any way you can help me out?
1: did not have a father figure. And have somebody to help him figure it out. That's that kind of influence you and I can make with the people we work with. But that's why I had to wrestle down the question: Why do I lead? Really?
0: And very transparently, I led for a long time because I was trying to figure out how to make more money in my business. But once I made that switch and I said, absolutely, we need to be profitable. Absolutely, we need to be successful. How are we going to do great things for our community if we aren't? But then how are we going to do great things for the people that are on our team? And that's what we're about. I stand on the shoulder of giants that have allowed me to see further than I could have ever dreamed otherwise. I had a pivotal moment in my life where Andrew Peterson introduced me to the greatest gift I could ever receive, obviously, which is my salvation. And then the opportunity to really do something with that gift on this earth
1: that hopefully draws a whole bunch of people closer to Jesus than they would have been otherwise. I'll close with this final story, and then you'll be done with this used car salesman, okay?
0: I'm 49 years old now. When I turned 40, I was, uh, uh, I was in Florida at a John Maxwell event, and I had gone for a walk on the beach. And I was listening to a guy with the name of Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. In my opinion, one of the best communicators I've ever heard. And he made a statement that there are four phases in a man's life. He said the first phase of a man's life is when they want to be somebody. They just have all these dreams. They have all these hopes, all these things they want to accomplish. They want to charge hell with a water pistol. I mean, this is, they have all this ahead of them. I want to be somebody. The second phase is when a person thinks they are somebody. And interestingly enough, about that time in my life, I kind of thought I was somebody. And then he made the statement that took me to my knees in prayer. He said, people want to be somebody. They think they're somebody. And there comes a point in a man's life when they realize they're nobody.
1: And once they realize they're nobody, they get to the fourth phase of their life when they get to see what God will do with a nobody. Man wants to be somebody, thinks he's somebody,
0: realizes he's a nobody so that he can spend the rest of his life seeing what God
1: will do with a nobody. So I hope for all of
0: us, we get to the nobody phase as fast as possible because God loves nothing more than to partner with humble men. It's been an incredible honor to be here today. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, What a wonderful, wonderful organization. And uh, if I can ever do anything, please let me know. Thank you. God bless.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Marketplace Midland podcast.